Now that we're older, for the most part our kids grown and gone, we see each other more often, and we're all more aware of the passing of time, the shocking awareness that one day we'll attend a gathering of the same sweet girls, and it will be our last one. When I'm describing the same sweet girls to other people, I usually tell them it's helpful to group us in twos. Lanier and I were former roommates, as were Julia and Aster. Then there's the odd couple, Bird and Rosanelle. Paired like that, we seem like polar opposites, but we aren't, really. I'm considered the weird one of the group, and I'll admit I've earned that honor. Most people think artists are weird anyway, but me, I'm a gourd artist. As the other SSGs say, with much eye-rolling, how many of those do you know? My former roommate, Lanier Sanders, doesn't do weird, being not only a former jock, but also a nurse. Lanier would have been a doctor. A good one had she not flunked out of medical school her first year. Not because she's dumb. Lanier's plenty smart in math and science. Here's the thing about Lanier. Lovable as she is, she will always find a way to screw up her life. Almost 50 years old, and she is still doing it. Like Lanier and me, Julie and Astor were college roommates. The school we attended, the Methodist College for Women in Briarfield, Alabama, nicknamed the W., paired you up, the Methodists preferring to mix their poor scholarship students in with the more privileged ones. If it hadn't been for the incident our freshman year that made us the same sweet girls, I'd never have gotten to know Julia DuPont or Astor DeVoe. Unlike me, a shy little art major, both Julia and Astor were hot stuff on campus, classically beautiful in a Grace Kelly sort of way. Julia DuPont was from a wealthy old family in Mobile. Her mother had gone to some fancy boarding school with the dean of women, which was how Julia ended up at the W. It was a year after we became friends before we discovered the real reason Julia was there. Thirty years later, it still surprises me. Astor DeVoe and I have a rather complicated relationship. I'm not sure what kind of weird chemistry there is between us, but it's been going on since the first day we met in an interpretive dance class. Lanier accuses me of not even liking Asta, but that's not quite true. I don't trust her, I'll admit, and we've had numerous clashes. But like everyone else, I'm fascinated by her. From Lake Charles, Louisiana, Aster DeVoe came to the W on a dance scholarship and intrigued everyone on campus. None of us Alabama hicks had ever seen anyone like her. We'd certainly never seen anyone so talented. Astor went on to dance on Broadway until she got too old to get good parts. Then she moved back to Alabama, unfortunately. See? That's what I mean. I'm always making cracks like that about Astor, and I'm not even sure why. But one thing I do know, I've got better sense than to turn my back on her. I group Bird and Rosanelle together because they're the most normal ones of the same sweet girls. Bird McCain is plain and simple and unpretentious. We've nicknamed her Mama Bird, a role she fits to a T. She certainly plays it well, and if on occasion Bird plays it too well, giving out advice, being uptight or disapproving, we always forgive her. She's that lovable. Rosanelle Tilly is another story, but she's not really one of us. She's who we inherited after Bird's roommate, one of the original six, was killed in a car wreck, and we felt the need to fill the gap. Rosanelle's also the one who unintentionally gave us our name, the same sweet girls. This will tell you everything you need to know about Rosanelle. 
She's flattered that we named our group after something she once said, not realizing that, as usual, we were being ironic and facetious. Thirty years have gone by, and she still doesn't get it. It all sounds so serious, telling it like this, but it's anything but. Over the years, we've developed a lot of silly rituals that I'm embarrassed to tell other people about. We crown a queen and have royal edicts and all sorts of stuff like that. Each year, the crown goes to the one who can prove that she's the most deserving. And what does she have to do to land the coveted crown? Why, be the sweetest one of all, of course. She campaigns all year for the crown, then has to convince the rest of us that she's done enough sugary deeds to earn the coveted title. The highlight of our summer weekend is when each of us summarizes our campaign for the crown during a ten-minute presentation. Like the Pope, the Queen is elected by secret ballot. Naturally, the first year everyone voted for herself, so we had to change the rules. It's not considered a sweet thing to do to vote for yourself, and if you do so, you're disqualified. Even more embarrassing, we have our own coded language that we call girl talk. It's been going on for so many years that it's hard to remember where most of it originated. The punchlines of popular jokes make the rounds, but we tire of them and they fall by the wayside due to our overuse. Our most enduring girl talk comes from stories we repeat ad nauseum year after year. Lanier provided one of the lines we use most often by telling us the story of the elderly woman who was a patient of hers. When Lanier took her vital signs and asked her how she was feeling, the lady said, Terrible, just terrible. My rheumatism's worse than ever. I can't lift my arms. My back's killing me. And I can't walk without hurting. But it's being so cheerful that keeps me going. The other two most popular girl talk lines were provided by Astor years ago. When she lived in New York, her best friend was a gay dancer named Ron. Astor would take Ron shopping with her because if she picked out the wrong thing, Ron would shake his head sadly and say, Oh, honey, no. On the occasions Ron didn't go with her and she showed up wearing one of her mistakes, Ron would sigh, roll his eyes, and say, Girl, what were you thinking? With the girl talk, the crowning of the queen, the royal salute, the procession, and the edicts, our get-togethers have become ritualized to the point that they're pure theater, and anyone peeking in a window at us would swear we're all crazy as loons, which we are. One of these days, we'll stop being the same sweet girls and start calling ourselves the same crazy fools, I suppose. Some would say that day is fast approaching. But in the meantime, we'll be the same sweet girls, who aren't girls anymore and who aren't sweet and never have been. Lanier, Dolphin Island, Alabama Mama always called me sassy, and bless her heart, my smart mouth nearly drove her to drinking. If you looked up, sweet old southern lady in the dictionary, there would be a picture of my mama. For some reason, I have mama on my mind today. Guess because it's been several weeks since I've gone to Selma to visit her in the nursing home. I feel bad when I visit her, and worse when I don't. Last time I was there, she didn't know me from a houseplant. Poor mama. Maybe it's the dolphins jumping in the bay this afternoon that make me think of Mom and Daddy in the so-called good old days of my childhood. Actually, they were. Good old days, that is. The same sweet girls say I had the best childhood of all of us, and I reckon they're right. 
I was raised in a pretty little town, Selma, Alabama, which later got famous for the civil rights stuff. But in the 50s, when I came along, it was just home, where my grandparents and most of my relatives lived and where my daddy was a judge. Mama was a homemaker and did the country club and the Episcopal church ladies and all that stuff. We spent most of our summers here on Dolphin Island in this old fishing cabin where I've been staying the last three months. As I stand on the back deck and watch the dolphins playing around in the bay, I remember naming this place when I was eight. Lord, that's forty years ago now. Five acres of prime waterfront real estate on Mobile Bay. This property and cabin had been in Daddy's family for years without being named anything, just called the Brewer Place by the locals. When we piled in the car and drove three hours south to get here, we just said we were going to Dolphin Island to our fishing cabin. I thought it was Dolphin Island until I was ten. I pitched one of my fits, insisted the property needed a name, and we should call it Dolphin Cove. Damn if Daddy didn't go for it, even making a sign in his workshop and hanging it up on the gatepost. I watched the dolphins jumping around, and I raised my wine glass to them in a salute. Not a coincidence that I named this place Dolphin Cove. I've always loved dolphins. I wait until the dolphins disappear from view before turning away and going back into the cabin. I put this off long enough, by God, I have to get the house cleaned up. It's a disgrace. For three months I've lived here like I was on a camping trip or something, and the place is a wreck. The big weekend is coming up, the annual gathering of the same sweet girls, and the girls will have a hissy fit when they see what a mess the cabin's in. The SSGs love this place almost as much as I do. The first summer after graduation, when we decided to have our first SSG get-together,